Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Alfredo Selly about lean management of civil engineering projects, as well as the use of geographic information systems, aka GIS. I've got to say, Alfredo was dynamite guest. Um, not only did he dive into some of these interesting topics on GIS and how the current technologies are advancing GIS and how it can help you kind of carve out your own niche as a civil engineer, which is what he's doing. But in the end of the show, in the CE Hot Seat segment, he gave some of the best answers we've had, things that I've never thought of doing as far as a professional development, skills, tools, tips. That was powerful. And he also talked a little bit at the end of the show about his Master's of Science in Engineering Management, which I asked him about directly. And so there's a lot of great stuff in this episode. I hope you'll stick with us through the end of it. Before we get into the Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the Civil FE or PE exam, I recommend you check out PPI, the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. I also want to just talk briefly about the Engineering Mastermind community. I've been getting a lot of emails from listeners of the Civil Engineering Podcast saying, what is the Engineering Mastermind? And the Engineering Mastermind is very simply an online community that we've created for motivated engineers that want to go beyond listening to a podcast. They want to take action and they want to put some of the tips into their own career. They want to build these skills. And so we've created this online community where you can get into a private forum and talk with other engineers on how they're building their skill sets, how they're carving out niches, how they're becoming experts in their field. You can also get access to engineering career coaches, including myself, through one-on-one weekly coaching sessions that are made available to all members through like an office hours. We also are launching a new forum in the next few weeks that is going to have even more benefits like anonymous posting. These are things that you can't necessarily do on LinkedIn. So if you want to ask about salaries, making a move, you can now post anonymously in this forum in a certain string or a certain question. So a lot of cool stuff going on and you can check it out at theengineeringmastermind.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so you get to know a little bit about him before we dive into our conversation. Alfredo Selly is a project manager and senior engineer who is responsible for the development of transportation, water resources, land development, and aviation. He's a registered professional engineer with experience in projects throughout Florida, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, Virginia, California, and abroad. He also has transportation experience, including design, resurfacing, rehabilitation, widening, and new construction of roadways, and more. And on top of all that, Alfredo also has water resources and land development 
experience and project management experience as well. He's just, for being 14 years out, he's, he's had an amazing career thus far. And he will also be giving a guided online course through ASCE starting January 23rd entitled The Foundation for Using GIS for Infrastructure Asset Management, which we'll link to in the show notes. And that's the topic that he's going to really focus on in the interview here today. All right, now it's time to jump into today's civil engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation. And I have with me here today Alfredo Selly. He's been a civil engineer for 14 years, and we're going to dive into some very interesting topics on lean management and GIS. Alfredo, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. I am very, very happy to be here. To be honest, I've been a fan for a few months now listening to your podcast, so I'm very happy. Uh, to be here today. That's great to hear. And I got hooked up with Alfredo through ASCE because he's going to be giving a guided online course for them on some of the topics we're discussing. And I thought that they'd be excellent topics to dive into a bit here on the podcast. So Alfredo, before we dive in here to these topics, maybe you could just give the audience a few minutes of background. What type of projects are you currently working on? And you're down in Florida. Give the audience a little bit of an insight to your career right now. I've had quite a a big range on my civil engineering career. But right now, I'm focusing on improving the safety of our transportation network. So I work with state departments of transportation, like the Florida DOT, the North Carolina DOT, Georgia DOT. And I also work on with local municipalities, like cities or counties throughout the U.S. Originally, when I started my engineering career, I started working for a geotechnical engineering company. Then after that, after working for a structural engineering company, after that, I worked for a land development and water resources company. For the past few years, now I've been working on transportation. Wow. So you've had quite a bit of experience in different fields. And I think that, honestly, that's one of the benefits of civil engineering is that you have the ability to change a little bit, see different things. If that's something that you want to do as a civil engineer, you can certainly do that. That's great. So, Alfredo, let's start off by talking about lean management. What is lean management? In essence, the idea of lean management is to make a process as efficient as possible. Under lean management, there's never an end goal. It's something that you're always striving for. So the idea to do that, you can always find improvement on any kind of things that you're working on, whether it is professional or personal. And when you come into working into the private sector, it's always about, you know, making the most efficient process because that will increase the productivity of any of the projects that you're working on. And once you start getting into project management, or even before that, there's this always this dreaded talk with engineers in the private sector about staying billable. And that all, you know, leads back to the efficiency on how you're doing things. So the most efficient way, the better product you will give at the end. The underlying concept of lean management is simplicity. The simpler you can make something, the easier it'll be for you to accomplish and the easier it'll be for you to explain to somebody else to do it. So that starts leading you into from being a worker bee and doing things efficiently to transforming into being a, a mentor, into counseling your peers or people that are just below you on the totem pole on how to do things. One other thing I wanted to point out, Anthony, is in our days today, we are bombarded with information. There's really nothing, on, even on very, very technical concepts, that you cannot just search for online. Of course, you need to know kind of how to search, 
but you should be able to find something pretty easily, and there's quite a bit of information. That creates it's an increased level of complexity. So here's another reason why using lean management principles helps out, because the more you can turn complexity into simple items, the more efficient you can handle them and the easier you can get them done. It's interesting because, you know, when you initially started to talk about it, it sounds to me just like trying to be as productive as possible. But so it kind of made me think like what makes lean management different from just being productive and efficient, but it sounds like the simplicity angle, what makes it actually different? Yes, that's it. And, you know, a little bit on the technical history on lean management, it actually started in Japan by Toyota, I think in the mid 50s or early 60s. When Toyota was looking at items of waste to improve their efficiency on their assembly line for their vehicles, there's a host of different ideas that go behind it, like Kanban or Six Sigma. A lot of different technical management concepts that you know they'll take quite a while to go through, but at the end they just focus in trying to find ways to accomplish things with less, with reduced amount of steps in a faster way, and just to make them more efficient. One other thing is. When you're working on something, if you reduce the amount of steps it takes you to accomplish it, it does two things. First, it makes the process simple. And second, it reduces the chances that you have to make mistakes. Because the more steps that you take into solving a specific problem or preparing a specific widget, the more chances that there are statistically for you to make a mistake. So that's another concept on lean management, is if you reduce steps on any kind of workflow or process that you're undertaking, you will do two things to improve the quality of your product or your service, and you will get to the finish goal faster. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's great. I think it's especially important for civil engineers because I feel like a lot of times civil engineers get very kind of bogged down in their projects and they tend to do extra steps or repeat things kind of just out of habit or maybe because you stop something and you have to go back to it. But developing some of these lean management processes certainly could help you be more efficient and more billable, which ultimately leads to you I would say advancing your career quicker because billability in the civil engineering world is one of the top things that you're going to be getting reviewed on by your company, period. All right. So Alfredo, let's transition now and talk about GIS. You have expertise in GIS, but before we dive into some of the deeper levels of GIS and on civil projects and the management of projects, let's start with the basics for those that aren't familiar with it. What is GIS? GIS stands for Geographic Information Systems. And at its most simple form, GIS simply creates maps of our geography, of real-world items. GIS is simply a tool, and a software tool, you can say, that helps you create maps. Think about it like a tool that may help you create a subway map, a tool that may help you create a, a topographic map for a region, a tool that may help you create a roadway network map, network map of portable water infrastructure, power grids, and so forth. Now, what GIS does, in addition to creating maps, he has this concept of using layers of information. So if you think of a map, a map is really a two-dimensional representation of our three-dimensional world. We have a three-dimensional world, and we try to draw it up into a sheet of paper, which that that would be our two-dimensional map. So what GS does to try to break this layer of dimensions, it adds layers to a map. So you may have, for example, your base layer may just be like an aerial photograph. Then your second layer may be a roadway network. 
Then your third layer may be buildings. Then your fourth layer may be your portable water infrastructure. So as you start adding layers, you start increasing the amount of information and you start creating this system. And that takes us back to the geographic information system. So you, by adding these amount of layers, you start being able to compile this data and being able to do so in a manner that once you create a map or create a two-dimensional representation, it is still readable and you can make sense of the data. That's on the part of GIS to create a map. In addition to that, you have databases that get plugged in into GIS maps. So for example, let's talk about a roadway network. So you may have a map that you have an aerial and a roadway network layer. In addition to that, you may have traffic data from a traffic database that's plugged into that roadway network. And you can show congestion levels throughout the day. So for example, you can create a map that will show this aerial and a roadway network. And the roadway network is colored in a manner, let's say from green to red. So the green segments on the roadway network are those that have no congestion. And the red segments in the roadway network are those that have congestion. So just by using these four elements, a background aerial, a roadway network, a green color, and a red color for the roadway network, you're able to immediately provide a vast amount of information over an entire municipal area on roadway congestion. That really is amazing. And honestly, I don't know a ton about GIS, but that definitely clarifies things for me. That being said, though, of course, GIS has been around for a while, and I'm sure some of our listeners are saying, oh, this is nothing new, and it's not. However, Alfredo, talk about some of the advances in current technologies that have really superpowered GIS. Yes, and you're right, Anthony. GIS is, is nothing new. It was started in Canada, I think, in the uh, late 60s or early 70s. But what has made GIS come to the forefront of our day-to-day -day consulting work is the uh, technologies to put GIS in place have re significantly been reducing costs. Computer power is significantly have been reduced. Computers that were used in the 70s now can probably fit on wristwatches. So the computer power has significantly increased, which makes the use and the, uh, to make the parsing through great information pretty quick. In addition to the increasing computer power, we also have GPS technologies, which makes it, they started in the military and now they have transitioned and, you know, you can use them in your car, in your phone, even in your personal movement trackers. That's made the ability of local municipalities, states, and government entities to adopt these low-cost GPS devices that they can use as data collectors to populate GS databases that now they can uh, parse through and analyze because they have readily accessible computer power. And on top of that, we also have the ability of displaying and publishing this GIS data and data has been analyzed with GIS through the internet. So for example, all of the property appraisers at all the different counties or parishes in the US, they will have some sort of website enabled GIS platform that will allow you to check on the different uh, properties are within your county, municipality, or parish. So GIS has, has also allowed the openness of information as well now as paired with the new technologies on as internet. And there's still more and more technologies coming on. So right now, think of all the discussion in GIS as being something that's passive. You know, somebody goes out and collects data and then a map is produced and it's published on the internet to the public. 
But now we have other technologies coming along that makes GIS maps be dynamic. So with the advance of cellular data, it's very easy now and it's very economical to have measuring devices or gauges on rivers or streams that can publish data on demand to a GIS server online. And then you can see real life data, like real life traffic data, real life stream gauge data, real life rainfall data. So now you have the capacity of having GIS maps are dynamic. You can see them come to life with real life information. And there's more technology still coming down the pipeline like unmanned aircraft vehicles that now can be used to just monitor data constantly. So you can have almost immediate access to a wide, wide variety of data through GIS nowadays. There's a lot of information out there. And these advances in technology are giving you more information upon more information. Let's move into civil engineering projects now, Alfredo. There's so much information available through what you just explained. How can you actually take this information and now use it on your civil engineering projects? When you have this such a wide variety of information as we have nowadays, especially like when you work on transportation projects, you have quite a bit of traffic data, crash accident data, forecasting data over many different roadway configurations, your urban arterials, your local subdivision roads. So you have this wide, 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 vast amount of data. And the key thing here is that all this infrastructure data has a spatial component to it. They all represent a spatial location somewhere in a network. And GIS is a perfect tool to analyze spatial data. You can grab all this wide variety of information do spatial comparisons, spatial unions, spatial analysis in them, and make sense of how this information interacts with each other to come up and deliver solutions. For example, you may have civil engineering data for another discipline, let's say from water resources. You have all this rainfall data that's on different rainfall events on the city that you're working on. And then you have information data on traffic congestion from the traffic department. And then you have information about crashes about from the police department. So then you can start merging all this data from all these three different areas together to start analyzing and create a map that will help you identify when crashes occur during rainfall events and during congested times. So you can then start identifying, oh, look at this cluster of data right at this intersection where we have a high amount of crashes when it's raining and when uh, the traffic is congested. So then you can come up with a solution to your clients and say, look, we need to look at drainage improvements and potential uh, signal improvements at this intersection because this is what seems to be causing or reducing the safety at this railway intersection. And that's just an example on the transportation network. But you can have similar examples of using data from many different sources and opportunities to improve the efficiency and operations for your water distribution network, power grids, and all other kind of civil infrastructure that we use to support our society. One of the things that we've seen as a pattern on this podcast as of late is there's different tools out there and different niches that you as a civil engineer can go into now to become an expert. So obviously, Alfredo's giving us information about GIS here. We've talked about learning about contracts because a lot of civil engineers aren't very in-depth in contracts. We've talked about ground penetrating radar. We've talked about drones. We've talked about sustainability. 
So as you can see, like what's coming on this podcast is different niches that you can develop. So what Alfredo just explained with this GIS and the advances in GIS and the benefits to civil engineers and their clients is awesome because if you decide that you want to gain expertise in GIS, you can then use it to produce data that a lot of civil engineers may not produce for their clients. So the GIS can really be a tool in your repertoire as a civil engineer. It can really help you succeed. So to that end, Alfredo, if there is a listener out there who wants to become an expert in GIS or at least start to learn, what do you recommend? Like how would they learn? Courses, books, training? There are many, many resources out there, you know, that can help you get started. But I will say this, any kind of uh, training that you take, whether it is three videos on the internet, paid webinars on the internet, or paid training, the key thing is that you need to put that knowledge to practice. So if you're looking into getting into GIS, or if you need to apply GIS on a future project, I will recommend that you discuss it with your, you know, whoever will be your superior or whoever will be the person approving for the training, that you also have a project lined up that you can put that training into practice. Because I've seen it more, more than just a couple of times when uh, folks get trained and then they just lose that knowledge because they don't put that, that training into practice right away. And that's a great tip. Yeah, that happens all the time. You learn something, you go to a seminar, and then you come back to the office. You don't apply it, and then you lose it, and it's kind of a waste of time, and you don't get to move forward on it. So that's a great piece of advice. All right, last question here before we transition into our uh, CE Hot Seat segment, Alfredo. Talk about GIS with regards to the management of engineering projects. A lot of our listeners want to move up the quote-unquote corporate ladder. They want to go from design engineer into management. How can GIS help them in that regard? There was a very, very clever uh, use of GIS that I saw a few years ago. So there was this young engineer, and he was trying to get into marketing projects, trying to identify opportunities for the company he was working on. And he developed a GIS map using Google Earth, which Google Earth is a free software that you can use. So he started using Google Earth to start mapping all the different projects that were coming down the pipeline where his company could uh, go after them. And then after that, he started identifying projects that were either, you know, won by other companies, how they wanted. He just started creating basically a marketing database in GIS. And what that showed after a period of six months or seven months, because engineering projects do take a while to come to fruition. What that ended up showing after a period of six months or seven months is he had a complete database of all these different projects, who had won them, who had lost them. And this was for transportation projects, where gaps in the transportation network, where new projects may be coming online. So his company had a really good strategic position to basically have a a 30,000 feet view of, for lack of a better term, of the battlefield of what they had in front of them. And they can then start figuring out ways how to position themselves to start chasing these projects. So when they start basically implementing the data that this young engineer developed, they start giving him the opportunities to go after these projects as well. And that served as a valuable tool for him to move on his career. This software can help you in so many ways. Obviously, from managing projects, you're going to be able to get that 30,000-foot view, potentially, of your project with all the layered information that Alfredo talked about in the beginning of the episode when he explained GIS. But then also, he just gave us yet another way that this engineer differentiated himself 
from other civil engineers, I'm sure, not just in his company, but in the industry by developing this marketing database and to have that foresight to do that and then to give his company kind of the foresight of the layout of what's going on in the industry is invaluable. And really, like as a civil engineer, I mean, that's why we do this podcast, because if you can come away with an idea like that and implement it into your career, it could really, really change everything. Alfredo, sorry, I lied before. I have one more question for you. How are public agencies and utility companies using GIS with regards to their current infrastructure? Infrastructure is a huge topic right now, and I'm sure that GIS plays a role in this. If you think about it, Anthony, the majority of our infrastructure has about 50 to 100 years. It's about 50 to 100 years old. So we all know that we design infrastructure to have a lifespan between 50 to 100 years, you know, depending on what you're designing. So what that means is the majority of our infrastructure is coming due for either a renewal, repair, rehabilitation, or reconstruction. Our infrastructure network is so wide and so vast that what public agencies, you know, not only public utilities, but public agencies, which also include uh, transportation agencies and also private companies like your power companies and your uh, telecommunication companies, they use GIS to manage their assets. They use GIS as their overall platform, as their overall base foundation for their enterprise management software. So think of it as a customer. When you call your water department to set up an, an irrigation meter or to set up a new water meter, what's happening behind the scenes is the person on the phone is looking at a computer screen, and on that computer screen, they have a GIS database of the entire water distribution system in your area. And they can tell you that, yes, they can provide service to your location, or no, they cannot provide service to your location based on information right at their fingertips. More and more public agencies, any kind of organization that deals with infrastructure, they have adopted in different manners a GIS platform to help them manage their assets to the entire life cycle of their assets, not only for planning, but for design, construction, and operations. And the ever-increase in technologies and applications has made for even more and more uses. So before, GIS just used to be like a mapping platform. But because of the increase in technologies, now GIS is, has become the basis of a foundation for the overall enterprise software that's being used by these organizations. So as more technologies come online, there are more and more opportunities for engineers, and not only civil engineers, but the whole gambit of engineering, you know, computer science engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, the whole gambit of engineering to take a, an advantage of the needs of these organizations when it comes to the development of GIS management programs. All right. So before we let Alfredo go, we're going to transition into our CE Hot Seat segment where I will fire off a series of questions to Alfredo that will focus on personal and professional development. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for a CE Hot Seat segment in which I'm going to fire a bunch of questions at Alfredo, not just the typical hot seat questions, but I'm also going to ask him about his engineering management degree. And today's hot seat segment is sponsored by PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. 
It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at PPITopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, first question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual? Things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being a successful professional. When you hit morning, you hit a good point. I'm an early riser, and I wake up early in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, your mind is fresh, your ideas are fresh, and there is still a gap between when you become entirely cognizant of what you're doing, when you're still like in this sleep dreaming mode. When you start having ideas early, early in the morning when you just wake up, try to find something to write them down or you have a voice recorder or a recorder app on your phone to record your ideas. So let's say you wake up at 7 in the morning, you record a couple of ideas, then listen to them back at 10 in the morning. Of course, some of them may sound silly, but you will find more and more that these ideas will help you solve problems that you're running into at work or in, in your personal life. In the early stages when you're just after you just woke up, your brain is still trying to get into the dream mode to the uh, daily functional ritual mode. I do a lot of writing early in the morning because, like you said, your mind is fresh, but that's a great idea to just brainstorm a bunch of ideas that you can possibly implement later. All right, next question. What is one book that you recommend to engineers or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional and or personal development? On the subject of books, I try to read whatever is the most recent technical book available on my field. For example, I just finished reading Street Smarts by Sam Schwartz which deals with transportation safety and converting our transportation network into a more livable type of community where you can have pedestrians and cyclists all within our transportation right away. One resource that I use to determine which are the most recent kind of technical books in my respective area is the Civil Engineering Magazine from the American Society of Civil Engineers. If you look at the back pages of the ASC magazine, because, you know, ASC magazine will have some really good articles on projects going on, the eye catchers at the beginning towards the middle of the magazine. But when you start getting towards the end of the magazine, you start getting into advertisements and those kind of things. So it might be easily glanced over, but there's two very good pages at the end sections of the magazine that show you where the latest books are related to engineering. And they might highlight five or six books. So I recommend, you know, if you get the ASC magazine, go to those last two pages and read the description of some of those books. And if one of those books piques your interest, go ahead and get it because those are the latest books on the latest information that's out there for, you know, your specific discipline. All right. I've got one final question for you, Alfredo, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question, which basically is if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? It would be to listen. The first thing that you'll find out on your career is if you learn to listen, you'll be able to understand what your client's needs are, what your boss's needs are, what your team member's needs are. And you'll be able then, after you listen, to comprehend ways that you can use your skills to help them reach their goals. 
most of the times we all think about what is the best way that I can promote myself, that I can show people how great I am or how good my skills are. But you can't do that if you don't listen first. So that's what I would encourage anybody is to be a very good listener and then to just pay attention and listen to others. And that will give you a leg up. That's great. And I have one actually last question for you personally, for you, Alfredo. You have a master's of science in engineering management. Is that correct? Yes. I know everyone's different and it depends on the field you're in. Have you found that to be helpful for you as a civil engineer? Oh, yes, greatly, tremendously. For example, there are things if you just go through a 100% technical engineering career, you get your bachelor of science in civil engineering, then you get your master's on engineering, let's say in hydrology, transportation, entirely technical. But in our, especially if you work for the private sector, you will be amiss because their guiding principles for the private sector is for that company to be profitable. You just can't cover that during your technical courses in engineering. An MBA, I know that's been done quite a bit, but something more specific perhaps, like a engineering management postgraduate degree, it will help you understand and develop techniques to not only ensure that whatever endeavors you take on are profitable, but also ways that you can better uh, manage your projects, which will help you in your career. The engineering management graduate master's that I got, it's been invaluable to help me understand how to transition from being just technical worker bee into getting projects, getting projects completed on time, keeping clients happy, keeping the company moving forward, and so on. I want to thank you, Alfredo, for taking the time here with us. You've shared quite a bit of excellent information, both on the technical and the professional development side. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Anthony. I am very, very happy that I got a chance to meet you and to join you today. Let me remind our listeners that Alfredo is going to be giving a guided online course through ASCE starting January 23rd entitled The Foundation for Using GIS for Infrastructure Asset Management, which we're going to link in the show notes for this episode. And the show notes for the episode can be found at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 49 you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 